All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Those of you early risers, we know we got some that don't like mornings and especially don't like Saturday mornings. So, so here we are. Well, we appreciate everybody coming out. Did you guys have a good time last night? It was really, it was, it was so good. So uh, excited to see what's in store for today. So I'm not going to talk because you didn't come to hear me. So Corey, the floor is yours. I already gave it to you. Amen, amen. Are y'all excited? <laughs> Did y'all enjoy last night? Is, isn't, isn't Jesus good? That's my biggest fulfillment is to see other believers see the miraculous under their own hand. That's my calling is to equip you. It's not just about me, amen. So let's do something for a minute. Can we just stand up for a minute? I want to take about five or two, ten minutes, and I want to do a meditation practice. And what I want to teach you is the reason it's easy for me to operate in the power of God is because I've learned to host the presence of God in my soul and in my flesh, meaning I've learned how to release it from my spirit to my soul. And it's, it's really not that complicated. It's just you being aware of what's already on the inside of you. Amen. Paul said this in Acts 17, 28. He says, in him you live, you move, and you have your being. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, he says that he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You are one with God. Separation for you is an absolute illusion. You can't set, nothing can separate you from him when you're born again. Come on, you're one with him. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. Even in the midst of you missing it, he's still there. And when you be, learn to become aware that he's even there when you miss it, guess what? It will cause you to miss it less. Why? Because you'll be aware of his presence all the time. Nothing can separate you from his presence. Come on, not even your sin. He gets down there in the midst of your sin, and his grace empowers you not to sin anymore. Come on. Nothing can separate you from fellowship with God. That's religion. Nothing. Why? Because he sees you through the blood of Jesus. I don't care what you do. Nothing can separate you from him. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. And remember I said that you are one with Jesus. And sometimes I'll just sit on the couch at home. And I'll do this. I'll just say, Father, I thank you that I'm in you. You're in me. And that we are one. That we are one God. That I am in you. You are in me. We are one. Come on, I just want you to focus on that you're one with him. Even if you begin to visualize Jesus in your mind, whatever picture you have of him, visualize him. And visualize yourself in him. That there's no separation. That there's no separation. Thank you, God. That we are one with you. Wow, Jesus. And you can even begin to picture yourself worshiping him in your mind. Thank you, Holy. Jesus. 
Father, we just thank you for this day, God. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome. We honor you. We reverence your presence. You are Lord, Holy Ghost. You are Lord Jesus. Father, you are God. You are Lord. Thank you. We welcome the host of angels in this place, God. Father, I thank you that even now they begin to move and touch your people. God, if there's pain in people's body this morning, I thank you that they even begin to feel your touch right now. Right now, nobody has to touch anybody. It's just being aware of you. Thank you for your word this morning. That it is life. It is life, God, that you help us to see what you have. Thank you. For grace. It's only by your grace we can speak the oracles of God. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that it is finished, God. Ha, it is finished. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. Thank you, God, that it is finished. Ha, the battle's over. It's finished. The battle's not, no longer the Lord's. That's the Old Testament. It's finished. It's finished. It's done. It's done. It's done. Thank you, God. Every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you show us the riches of the glory that's inside of us, God. That you have chosen to put this treasure in earthen vessels. Yourself, Christ in us. Wow, Jesus. <laughs> wow, God. <laughs> You're so good. Wow, God in us. Wow, our words are your words. Our ways are your ways. When we move, you move, God. What an honor. What a privilege. Wow. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. I could just stay there. <laughs> wow, you can be seated. Wow. You know, I do that constantly at home. Why? Because it makes me aware of who I am and what I have. How many of y'all felt the atmosphere shift when, when you started to be aware of what you have in you? Did y'all feel the atmosphere totally shift? See, it's that simple. You don't even have to have a worship team. You don't have to have a created atmosphere. You are the atmosphere. When I walk into Walmart, I'm the atmosphere. Why? Because God lives in me. 
come on, when Peter was walking across or down the street and the sick people were laying on the street and he was just walking by them and they were being healed, it's because he knew he was the atmosphere. He knew that it was Christ in him, the hope of glory. Really, the simplicity about walking in the supernatural is just being aware of what you have. It's that simple. That's why Paul says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Again, how do you practically do that? What we just did, practice in your alone time. Psalms 46.10 says this, it says, be still and know that I am God. And you can be still and working at the same time. doesn't necessarily say you have to lock yourself away. Be still. Be still in your mind. Be focused on Jesus. It says this in the Psalms too, those that wait on the Lord, what will renew their strength. The word wait, it doesn't mean sit and wait. Actually, in the Greek, it means entwined. It means you're, in, it means you're aware of your union with him. You are aware that there's no separation between you and God if you're born again. Come on, when you, when you begin to understand that, it's this simple truth, too, that if you're struggling, if you're living in sin, if you're struggling with that, when you start to be aware of him, things like that will just fall out off of your life in eff effortless union. Why? Because you manifest whatever you are aware of. If you're aware of heaven, you manifest heaven. If you're aware of sin or live in sin consciousness, you manifest sin or self. The only thing that's left for you is Jesus. Paul says this in Galatians 2.20. I'm going somewhere totally different, but this is good. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. See, you're dead. Just don't resurrect yourself. <laughs> Keep your focus on Jesus. And then, again, I always like to give you practical application of how to do that, like I was saying last night. How do you do that? Acknowledge him all throughout the day. Simplicity. Father, I thank you that you're with me, that you're in me. Holy Spirit, I so appreciate you. You're such a good friend to me. Thank you that you lead me into all truth. Thank you that you show me things to come. But how can you build relationship if you never talk to the Holy Spirit, if you never talk to God? See, a lot of times, I, I, I believe the failure in the church is we believe in the Holy Spirit, but we see him as power and gifts and not a person. He's a person. A real person. Wouldn't it be rude if you had a person with you all day and you never said a word to them? Be pretty rude, right? <laughs> Come on, he lives in you. He's always with you. He desires your attention. He desires that you be aware of him. He's, he's, he's so awesome. My wife probably thinks I'm weird sometimes but because I have a good time with God. You know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Sometimes I just sit at home and I just laugh, me and God by myself. Why? Because he wants, the, the gospel, do you understand? It's joy unspeakable. It's full of glory. The joy of our Lord is, is our strength. Jesus says, he says, come to me and drink. 
We need to learn how to partake of him because he is the bread of life. If you're in the midst of a struggle, if you're in the midst of a circumstance, you know how to overcome that circumstance. Do what we just did and go into that secret place. You can do it in your car. You can do it at your work. Just breathe. You know, you can engage his presence by your breath because his breath is your breath. Sometimes I just, and then I focus on Jesus. I'm in you. You're in me. And you go back into that, in that place where you're aware of him. And then when you're aware of him, that sickness, that circumstance just gets smaller and smaller. And the more you do that, you learn to speak from that position. And then your words begin to carry weight in the spirit because you're speaking from a different realm. Actually, a realm that is more real than this realm right here. Because the spirit realm actually created this realm. It's really good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, that was all free this morning. Let's go to Isaiah 53. Sometimes I like to just flow with the Holy Ghost because that little simplicity right there, I'm telling you, will change your life. So I want to go over some very familiar scriptures this morning. Isaiah 53, 1. And this morning we're going to talk about that it is always God's will to heal. Always. Always. I'm going to be in the Amplified Classic because I like how it brings it out. It's the girl's version because it's very detailed. My wife always wants details. I'm like, I'm like okay. <laughs> it says, and when it says, Who has believed, trust in, relied upon, and clung to our message? Of which was revealed to us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been disclosed or revealed what is the arm of the lord it is the power of the lord right and who is the power of the uh, lord revealed to who believes the report simplicity whoever believes the report so if you believe the report remember what i said yesterday an action will follow in action will follow. And if you believe the report, if you're not seeing the fruit of the action, not seeing the fruit will still, you will still continue doing the action because you believe the report. Does that make sense? If I lay hands on somebody and they don't get well, well, guess what? I don't let that phase me because I believe the report of the Bible. See, this is the key. The first key to operating in the power of God is the word of God must be final authority in your life. It has to be. Psalms 119.89, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's settled. It's settled. We know that Hebrews 13 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3 6, he is the Lord. He doesn't change. Right? You have to be founded on that. 
Why? Because as you're growing up into Christ in all things, you're not going to get perfect results to begin with, but you keep believing and keep acting, and then you grow in faith as you see more and more. For example, for many years, I would go to the streets and I would run into neuropathy. People would have numbness and pain, and I just, man, I would keep praying. I wouldn't see it. I wouldn't see it, but I didn't stop me. Every time I, I seen somebody with not neuropathy, I'm going after this thing. I'm going to keep attacking this thing. Why? I'm not on the defense. I'm on the offense. The devil is defeated. And guess what? I don't know what it was a couple months ago. Bam, it's healed. And ever since then, one after another, after another, after another. See, that's how it works. When, when you see something, when you experience it, then you, then you start seeing it more and more. That's why disc, knees, certain things I've seen so much, I'm just like, oh, okay, be healed, and it's instant and immediately. Why? Because I've seen that. So you keep going after whatever's in front of you until it changes, no matter what it is. You persevere by the grace of God. Don't get discouraged by what you're not seeing. Don't. Just keep stepping. Keep believing. Keep being faithful. Why? Because the arm of the Lord is revealed to who? Those who believe the report. Well, let's look at what the report is. Verse 3, Isaiah 53, verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected and forsaken by man. A man of sorrows and pains and acquainted with grief and sickness. This is Jesus, the prophecy of Jesus. He was acquainted with grief and sickness. And like one from whom men hid their faces, he was des despised. And we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. Surely he has bore. That word in the Greek, the word bore, it means erased. He took it away. He erased it. You need to start looking at being sick as impossible, even if you're in the midst of sickness. <laughs> Seriously. Why? Because Jesus took it away. He totally erased sickness. See, we have to start looking at things from the spiritual and not the natural. And we look, when we look at them from the spiritual, we'll manifest them in the natural. Come on. Paul says we don't look at them things seen, we look at them things unseen. Because the things that are seen are what? Temporal. See, it might be a fact that you have sickness in your body. But guess what? Truth changes facts. And the word of God is the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Come on. You know what you do in the midst of a battle? Father, I thank you that I'm healed, that I'm delivered. In the name of Jesus, pain go. In the name of Jesus, sickness go. See, and learn this. A lot of the, the faith movement taught you that you needed to confess something to receive something. and You need to confess something because it's who you already are. You're not trying to get something. God has already put everything in you. That's a big, a big shift. No, you already have it. He has deposited everything on the inside of you right now. 
Peter said it like this in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. He said, he has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things. Oh, my goodness. Glory to God. See, when you know you have all things, you can speak from a position of victory. Guess what, though? But if you're speaking from a position, you don't know if you have it, but you're trying to get it, eh, you can waver there. No, it's who I am. Remember what I said yesterday? Even the renewing of the mind is not you becoming something. It's finding out the reality of who you already are. We have to learn to totally identify with the Son of God. Totally. As he is, so am I. Does Jesus have illnesses? No. Does Jesus have depression? No. Just that simple truth can get you set free immediately. I encourage you even to get your faith up now. As you're listening to me preach, we have seen people instantly healed just under the preaching of the word. Why? Because I'm making them aware of who they are and what they have. And then they begin just to release his power without even knowing it because their mind shifts. Because I have this, I have that, I'm already healed, I'm already delivered. See, I tell people, healing is not something I minister, it's who I am. It's my identity. I am healed. Why? Because I've been made one with the healer. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. I am one with Jehovah Rapha. I'm one with him. You're not trying to get it. It's who you are. You are the healed. I'm getting ahead of myself. Glory. This gets me excited. Because it's the simplicity. of you. It's, it's, it's who you are. As soon as you were born again, you have everything that you need. Even the infilling of the Holy Ghost comes from the within within you to the out. It starts as a well of salvation that springs up to eternal life, Jesus says. And then when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it turns into a river. Don't, the only reason it was poured out in Acts 2 is because, remember, remember in John 20, Jesus breathed on his disciples and he said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Right? And then that was just the twelve. So they had 120 in the room. So God breathed from heaven, and that was the sound of the rushing mighty wind, and that's when they all got born again, and then some spoke in tongues. You know what God was actually doing? He was restoring the breath of life into creation. Remember when God breathed the breath of life into Adam? Right? And then what did Adam lose? He lost the breath. He lost the essence of who God was. And then Jesus restored it when he breathed on his disciples see we have to understand jesus didn't come just to change our destination he came to restore us to the original image we were create we were created to be and he restored you to that original image as soon as you were born again you just have to find out who you already are for example when you're born in the natural when you have a baby they're born with every single body part they need correct same way in the spiritual. When you're born again in the spiritual, you're born with everything you need. You just have to learn and 
or grow and learn how to use the tools or the body parts you already have. It's a different mind shift. It's who you are. So he has bore your sickness, he had took them away, and carried our sorrows and pains, yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. Verse 5, it says, but he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement, peace, and well-being for us was upon him. It was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, I love this, in the Amplified it says, we are healed and made whole. You're born again into wholeness. Wholeness. And notice how he ties the forgiveness of sins and healing together. Not only does he do it here, but he does it all throughout the Bible. If you're saved, you're healed. You can't separate them. They're all in the same. It's all in the same package. Even the word salvation, it is the Greek word zozo. It means to be saved, healed, delivered, and made whole. That's who you are as soon as you're born again. And as we begin to preach that, guess what? We're going to see people born again and be whole automatically from just getting born again. Again, the gospel is not a heaven message. That's a byproduct. The gospel is you've been restored to the original intent. God's likeness and God's image. (laughs) He came to restore dominion to you. So you can be fruitful and multiply all across the earth. Come on. The ball's in our court. Glory to God. You're a king. You're a priest. Do you know who you are? He's the king of kings and lord of lords. Do you know you're a king and you're a lord? Romans 5.17 says, Through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, in the Amplified it says you reign as a king. In Revelations 1.5 it says you are a king and priest unto God. Come on. You're a king. You're a prophet over your own life. You understand? God's already given you everything, everything. We just need to start acting on what he's already given us, on what he's already put on the inside of us. Glory to God. It's good news. Verse 10. It says, yet it was the will of the Lord, right here the Lord is the Father, to bruise him. He has put him to grief and made him sick. It was the will of the Father for Jesus to come and be made sick. Why? So you don't have to be. He was made poor, so you don't have to be. Come on. He took, up, he took on himself all your sin, so you don't have to live in that shame, that guilt, and that condemnation. He bore it all. Think about Hebrews 12, 2 says this, it says, For the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross, despising its shame. Who was the joy set before him? You! You're the joy! You're the joy! 
Do you know that God is madly obsessed with you and fascinated with you? He's just as fascinated with you on your worst day as he is your best day. Why? He sees you through the blood of Jesus. He sees you as perfectly righteous and holy and healed and as, it, and as if you've never sinned. Wow. Come on. I'm going to teach on that here, I think, tomorrow. See, another thing that really stops believers from operating in the supernatural is because they're conscious of their self and not Jesus. They don't know they're the righteousness of God. They don't know that they've been made holy. Instead, they're trying to do holy and do righteous instead of believing that's who they are. And it's not by their works, it's by his. It's a free gift. I'm just as righteous on my worst day as I am my best day. But the cool thing is, when I believe that I'm really righteous, sin will just fall off my life because I'll live from who I already am. Right? Just as an apple tree. I'm getting kind of off right here where I want to go. But just as an apple tree produces apples without effort, it doesn't sit there and say, I'm going to produce apples. I'm going to produce apples, does it? It doesn't work hard to produce apples. Well, if I believe I'm the righteousness of God, if I believe I've been made holy, if I believe I've been healed, I'm going to produce that fruit without effort. Why? Because that's who I already am. Notice how I always go back to that. That's who I already am. Glory to God. Verse 11 says this, it says, He shall see the fruit, talking about Jesus here, of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Wow. He shall see the fruit. Who's the fruit? We're the fruit, right? He, he sees you and he is satisfied. He takes pleasure in you. I, lo I love that song that our brother was singing last night. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. And then there's another one that says, I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. He desires you. You know what Jesus' reward is? When you, when you just put your focus on him and love on him, that's his reward. That's what he died for. Because he so wants relationship with you. He so wants someone to pour out his love on. Learn to let him just love you. I just sit with him. Thank you, Jesus. You love me. You love me. By his knowledge of himself shall my righteous one, my servant, justify many and make many righteous. I love that. Notice he makes you righteous. He justifies you. He, for he shall bear their iniquities and their guilt. So let's go to Matthew chapter 8. I want to look at the fulfillment of Isaiah 53. It's Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. I'm going to go back to the New King James. Wasn't it so cool last night to see all the miracles last night? My favorite part is I didn't hardly have to touch anybody other than helping the little girl. That's my favorite part. I love that. Verse 16 says this. It says, When evening had come, they brought to him, talking about Jesus, who were demon-possessed, 
and he cast out the spirits with a word. Notice, he didn't talk to them and have conversations. <laughs> I won't go on, get into that one. <laughs> oh, man, help us, Jesus. I just, never mind. He cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. I love that. He healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. He himself took our infirmities and bore our sickness. Notice, in order for Jesus to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 53, how many did he have to heal? So if he didn't heal all, the prophecy wouldn't be, be fulfilled. Do you see that? So in, See, Jesus never ministered to anyone and failed. The Bible says in Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Anyone Jesus ministered to was healed. And I'm not going to address it now, but I'm going to address it after I go through these scriptures. We're going to come back and look at Jesus's life, and we're going to even address his hometown. This tradition of man that people have put in of people's minds that even Jesus couldn't get everyone healed in in his hometown. I really want to look at that closely and really see what the scripture says, but I'm going to come back to that thought, and I, and I felt by the Spirit just to say that because I feel like some of y'all were having that thought, and a lot of people do, but we'll come back to that. So in order for the prophecy to be fulfilled, Jesus had to heal all, correct? Even, even Psalms 103 says this, it says, bless the Lord, what, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives what? All your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. He heals all. Notice again how healing and forgiveness are tied together. They're one and the same. Amen? And what's a sign that you're forgetting God's benefits? Every time you have a headache, do you run to the medicine cabinet before you take authority over the headache? That means you're forgetting the benefits and you're not exercising your faith. Therefore, you'll, you will never grow into the person that Jesus wants you to grow up into. So I encourage you, next time you have a pain, next time you have a headache, don't, I'm not against medicine or doctors. Look, if we didn't have med medicine or doctors, the whole body of Christ would be dead by now. That was a joke. but <laughs> Y'all look so serious this morning. <laughs> Y'all look so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, just next time you have that pain, exercise your authority, and then that's how you grow in it. You know? I'm not against it. I'm not at all. Heck, thank God for medicine and doctors, right? Until we, we grow to a place where we can walk in the fullness of what Jesus has paid for. But before you run to it, exercise your faith because if you don't exercise your faith you're not going to grow in it amen let's go to first peter first peter chapter 2 verse 24 everybody knows this verse famous verse see every healing before the cross was on credit of what jesus would do Every healing after the cross was 
because of what he already did. Because really, God is outside of time, right? The lamb was crucified before the foundation of the world. So 1 Peter 2.24 says this. It says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins. You're dead to sin. Come on. Dead to sin. What, where does sickness come from? Not saying that if you sin, you get sick. But the root cause of it was the first sin in the beginning, Adam. So if you're dead to sin, you're dead to sickness. Sickness impossible for you. You're dead to it. You can't get sick. Come on, this is the mentality we, we got to have. You can't get sick. It is impossible for you to be sick. Because you're dead to it. You're dead to the things of the world. It's impossible for Jesus to get sick, right? And you're in him. Come on, is, the more we totally learn, again, to identify with the son, the more we'll see that manifest in our life. So having died to sins might live for righteous. Notice it says, by whose stripes you what? Were healed. The most important word in this scripture is the word were. Right? It is past tense, meaning it's already done. So again, healing is not something to receive. It's who you already are. Right? Come on, if I believe I'm the healed, every time I get a little cold, I go lay in bed and take a nap. Well, well I don't believe that's who I am. No, if I get a cold, no, by golly, by the stripes of Jesus, I was healed. Glory to God, I'm going to get up and, and do my house chores on purpose. Why? Because I believe that healing is my identity and it's impossible for this to stay in me. Because it's illegal, because Jesus said, by his stripes, I was healed. And if you are already healed, and actually it's not you, it's the whole world has already been healed. They just haven't received it. That means that God can never say no to anyone's healing. Is that correct? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. God can never say no to anyone's healing. This is where we really have to be founded on the scriptures and take responsibility that we are growing up into Christ. If I minister to someone again and they're not healed, guess what? It's not God, it's me because I'm growing up into Jesus in all things, Ephesians 4.15 says. Again, we have to judge our experiences by the word of God, and, right? And not let uh, our experience judge the word. right? If the Bible says, I lay hands on the sick, they recover, that's final, right? They, they recover, so if they're not recovering, it's not God, it's me growing in faith, and again, that's not condemnation, that's just me growing up into who, who he's created to me to be, keep going after it. Come on, I just had one of my friends, 33 years old, died of leukemia. Come on, that's not God's will, God didn't take him. No, God's will for, was for him to be raised up, we were there to the very last. He died. We were, we were there trying to raise him from the dead. 
Why? Because I believe this. And because I didn't see him raised from the dead, guess what? The next person that dies and I have a chance to raise them from the dead, I'll be there again raising them from the dead. Why? Because the Bible commanded me. He said, raise the dead. That's what he said. If Jesus was here, he'd be alive. And I'm determined to see the supernatural in my life. So I'm going to keep going after this thing. Why? Because Jesus already paid the price. He's already healed them. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this. Might have y'all get up and do some jumping jacks here in a minute. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. I'm going to read something out of my manual right here. It says, God can never say no to anyone's healing because he has already said yes and amen. And Jesus already paid the price. Remember, his word is forever settled in heaven. Failure to receive or minister healing is on the believer. It's not on God. We are all growing up into Christ in all things. Jesus healed everyone that he ministered to and he alone is our example. He alone is the standard. So keep persevering until you see the promises come to pass in your life. Learn by doing what you hear. Learn by doing what you hear. That is why I had you all lay hands on each other last night. Because something flips when you start to see God move under your own hand. See, a lot of people believe that God will use somebody else, but they don't believe that God will use them. But when you begin to see the power of God manifest it under your own hand, it does something to you. It's like, wow, God will use me? Yes, all the time, everywhere that you go. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. And I'm going to do this verse, and then we'll take a five-minute break. And then we'll come back for about 30, 45 minutes, and I'll teach on Jesus' life. I'll let you, maybe y'all can drink a shot of coffee real quick or something. Y'all look like you might need it. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Now, I love this. It says, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. This is why it's imperative to look at the Greek sometimes. Who will have all man? All means? Who will have all man to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth? So it says that word saved, again, is the Greek word zoso. It means saved, healed, delivered, made whole. So you could read it, so you could read it like this. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of, of God our Savior, who will have all man to be healed, who will have all man to be whole, who will have all man to be delivered, who will have all man to be prosperous. Again, what were we originally talking about? That it is always God's will to heal every single person 
everywhere you go and you don't have to ask him he has already done it because all of his promises are yes and amen he has already commissioned you Matthew chapter 10 verse 7 and 8 as you go preach saying the kingdom of God is at hand heal the sick cast out demons cleanse the lepers raise the dead freely you have notice freely you have received freely you have received freely do you give Remember Peter last night, he said, such as I have, I give unto you. Such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You have it. You have everything you need to be a move of God everywhere that you go. Everything you need. He is in you, and he is wanting out of you. Christ in you. I don't like that word hope. In the, in the King James, it means expectation. Christ in you, the expectation of the glory. You should expect the glory every single day of your life. In Ephesians, it says he's the father of glory. Who's he the father of? You. You're the glory. You're the restored image. You're the restored likeness. You're him on this earth. You are Jesus on this earth. You were predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. 1 John 2, 6. He that abides in Jesus ought to walk just as he walked. That's who you are. You are Jesus Christ on this earth. Glory to God. Jesus told his disciples that they should be just like their master. Jesus is the standard. Again, when you read the Gospels, you see yourself as Jesus because that's who you are. You're the one people are touching and getting healed. You're the one casting out demons with the word. You know what I do? I intentionally watch YouTube videos of miracles, and then I picture myself in, in, in the YouTube video, the one doing the miracle. That's actually meditation of the word as well because I'm meditating uh, myself being a doer of the word. See yourself doing it. Whatever you see, you can have. Come on. Th think about Genesis. When they were building the Tower of Babel to heaven. That wasn't even born again. And God looked down from heaven and he said, because they're of one accord, whatever they have imagined to do, they can do. Well, guess what? Whatever you imagine to do... You can do as a born-again believer. Why? Because um, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Be intentionally imagine yourself raising the dead. Intentionally imagine yourself leading people to Jesus, healing the sick, pulling up the lame, speaking to crowds. It's powerful. Your imagination is one of the most powerful things that you have. Why? Because it controls your actions. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he said, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. Even when you begin to first step out and start minister healing, you know, a lot of believers think, well, I'm going to go pray for them. They immediately have that thought. It's not going to work. You haven't prayed enough. You haven't done this enough. Recognize that that isn't your thought. That's the devil giving you that thought and step through that by faith because that's not unbelief. It's only unbelief if it makes you back up and you give into it. But when you step through, you're stepping through that in faith. It's a temptation. 
this ain't going to work. Who do you think you are? Do you think you're Jesus? Do you think you can heal the sick? Do you think you've prayed enough? Do you think you've read your Bible enough? It's not about what you have done. It's all about what Jesus has done. Put your faith in the love of Jesus for that person. Come on. Glory to God. Amen. Y'all want to take a little break? Go to the bathroom, drink your little cup of coffee? Five, ten minutes? Amen, amen. Amen. God is good. Did y'all get some coffee? No? Somebody asked me if I wanted some coffee. I said I had three cups and I have the Holy Ghost. I think I'm good. (laughs) Amen, amen. So remember when I said Jesus is the standard, right? So I really want to look at Jesus' life. And as we look at Jesus' life, I want you to see yourself as Jesus in the stories because that's who you're called to be. Remember 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so are we in this world. Isn't that so awesome? We get to walk just like Jesus. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, 12? He that believes in me can do the same works I do. I love how he always put the emphasis on the believer. He didn't put the emphasis on the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, or teacher. He put the emphasis on the believer. That means that qualifies every single one of us. And what do you say? He that believes in me can do what? The same works that I do and greater works than these can you do. Why? Because he went to the Father. And we've actually seen some of these greater works. Jesus couldn't preach on the internet. Jesus couldn't be in the United States and preach to people in Pakistan and people get saved, healed, and delivered. Well, not too long ago, we were doing a meeting. I think it was about 1,500 people crusade. I'm preaching on WhatsApp, video call, but they have it projecting on a big screen. And there's this baby there. He has this big old tumor on his neck. And usually when we, when we pray for people on these crusades, a lot of times we don't minister to people one-on-one. You can't, right? There's too many people. But guess what? I have exercised my faith to where I just pray over crowds at the whole time and people get healed everywhere. So this baby, in, after we prayed, the tumor on his neck just totally disappeared and he was totally healed. Amazing. That's one of, one of the greater works. Why? Jesus couldn't, couldn't preach on the internet, right? Come on. You know what else I used to do to learn to walk in the power of God? I would look, you know how people always post things like, pray for me on Facebook or pray for me. I would message people, let me pray for you. And then I would FaceTime them on purpose and exercise my faith ministering to them healing. And we have seen so many phenomenal miracles of people healed on FaceTime. Come on. In Africa, we had these little boys that were full of arthritis. Couldn't even, or one of them couldn't even go to school. We prayed for him. The next day, he was totally healed and went to school. 
You know, another one of the keys, too, of also is ministry and healing is have people do something they couldn't do before. Remember how Peter grabbed a man and he pulled him up? Right? If you pray for somebody on the street, they have pain in their knee. Well, guess what? After you pray for them, have them bend your knee. Test it out. If you can't bend over, bend over. If they're in a wheelchair, get them up. We were out ministering. I was training on the street. This was actually three or four years ago. And we were, or there was this lady. She was in a motorized wheelchair. Her name was Shirley. And, and I practically chased her down because them things move quick. <laughs> so I chased her down. I was like, can we pray for you? I have like six people with me. I think that's when I had Noah with me. He's a little, uh, I don't know how old he was then. He was little. Or was Noah with me then? I don't think Noah was with me then, was he? It, what other kid? One, one kid was with me. The McKinney's, yeah, okay. So we were, we were ministering to her, and she was in a wheelchair. She had degenerate disc disease. All she could do if she did stand up and walk is walk like this. So we ministered to her one time. Nothing happened. And I'm like, okay, well, let's do it again. So we, we ministered to, to her again. And remember, we're not asking God to heal someone. We're, we're speaking to it. We're commanding. Right? Jesus commanded, as we're going to look in his, at his life, he told people to be healed. So we told her, you know, be healed in the name of Jesus. Now, we, now I told her, I said, okay, now get up and walk. So, so we lifted her up, and she, she got up, was instantly healed. And we actually have this testimony as well on our YouTube channel. She was instantly healed. She even did a little dance like this. Instantly, and she pushed her own motorized wheelchair. I had my friend Lil with me. We put her wheelchair in the back of the car and took her home. And then for months after that, we would go get her and take her to church. Phenomenal. We've seen phenomenal things. Phenomenal things. But again, it's not just been me. It's been many people that we're training that are seeing the same things. God is good. So remember, have them do something they couldn't do before. So it's a big key. Now, can they still be healed if you don't? Absolutely. Another thing, if you don't see a result, don't pull back your faith. Right? I stick with the word. Well, I didn't see anything. And they asked me, well, well why isn't it working? Well, the Bible says, I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I believe you are healed in the name of Jesus. I've released my faith. Now, I will tell people, get back a hold of me and let me know the result. And I'll minister to you again if we need to. But my faith is I'm not going to have to minister to them again. Well, I've released it. See, your faith is a servant. It's, it's, it's meant to serve you and bring, the bring to pass the promises of God in your life. See, if we start making excuses of why we're not seeing the results, or if we pray for somebody, well, I guess it wasn't God's will, or I guess I wasn't in faith. No, what are you doing? You're pulling it back immediately. And it's dead. It's not going to work. Leave it out there. We've had people call us the next day totally healed. I had one lady come to church a year and a half later just to come tell me that she was healed a year and a half ago. So just never pull your faith back. Stand on the word no matter what. Amen? All right, so let's look at Jesus' life. <clears throat> Let's go to Matthew 
chapter 4, verse 23. It says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness, and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him, I love this, all sick people. They brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. He healed all. Matthew chapter 8. Verse 1, again, Jesus never ministered to someone and failed. Everyone that allowed him to minister to them was healed. Everyone. Again, and we'll get to his hometown. I know that's a big tradition of man that, that stumbles a lot of people. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, it says, When he had come down from the mountain... Great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. See, Jesus didn't practice social distancing. That was social, that was social distancing back in the day. Left, they had their own colonies of leprosy, right? And said he, he, he went to the lepers. <laughs> Verse 3. It says, then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Notice how Jesus ministered healing. Did he say, God, will you cleanse him? No, he said, be cleansed. He spoke the result that he wanted to see. Remember the famous Kenneth E. Hagin's verse. Mark eleven twenty two and 23, have faith in God. Most assuredly, I say unto you that whosoever shall say, not pray, say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things, what he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. See, we are speaking spirits. We operate just like God. How did God create the universe? He spoke it into existence. How do you create and walk in the plan of God in your life? You speak it into existence. Remember, how does your faith become effective? Y'all remember Philemon 1.6? By acknowledging every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Remember, your confession is what? Who you are. What you have. And that word willing in this verse is when Jesus says, then Jesus put out his hand and touched him saying, I am willing. You know what that word willing means in the Greek? It means it's his desire. It's his nature. It's who he is. He is always willing to heal. He is always willing to deliver. 
He turns no one away who comes to him. Nobody. If you hear somebody say, God told me not to pray for you right now because he's teaching you something. No. No, that is a doctrine of devils. No, God is always willing. It's his nature. I mean, really, it's common sense. God is love. He doesn't teach his children with sickness. Can he teach them something through it? Of course, but he doesn't teach them with sickness. He doesn't put sickness on you. Jesus paid the price so you don't have to be sick, so you don't have to be diseased. Come on, he destroyed the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8, it says, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. They're destroyed. It's finished. Again, like I said yesterday, all you're doing is enforcing the defeat that has already been won. So you are already healed, already delivered, already set free. That's why he said in Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received, freely do you give. So if you believe in healing, you're going to minister healing, even if you're sick yourself. Well, guess what? If you're actually sick yourself, you should minister healing on purpose. Come on. I remember one time I, I had an outreach planned, and I had cold chills. I was sick, and I was like, I ain't letting this stop me. We go out in the street, and we see all kinds of people healed at the mall. In the midst while I'm going through something. Why? Because I believe it. I'm not going to let what me going through stop what I really believe. Verse 3 says, Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Let's go to Luke chapter 13. See yourself in that story. I was down in Texas a while back, and I went down there to, to help another minister. And we were taking people to the street or training people. And uh, we were, I think it was Fort Worth. And we were in this hotel, and uh, the ladies that worked at the hotel, the maids, the maids were there. They were walking out of the room. And, and one of them had a cane, and she was totally paralyzed in her left leg. And I actually didn't know she was paralyzed. And sometimes it's good not to know all the details. You do not have to know all the details when you're ministering healing. Sometimes you don't want to know all the details. Wow, sometimes you have a faith breaker. Just say, okay, you need freedom? Okay, let me, let me just pray for you. Sometimes I'll ask people what's going on, but if they start giving me a long list of years, I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't, just stop. Right? I don't need you to talk me out of faith, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but anyways, so, so we go minister to her, and I don't even know she's paralyzed. I just know she has a cane. So, so we lay hands on her, uh, and, and then I just take her cane from her, and I begin to walk her. And at first, she's kind of like this. But then as she walks, as I keep having her do something she can't do before, she gets totally loosed and is totally healed immediately after walking a little bit. Immediately. And then after that, 
she gets born again because she wasn't born again, and there's like five other maids with her that they, like at least four of them all one by one got touched by the power of the Holy Ghost because they saw what happened. Remember in the book of Acts when Philip would preach the gospel, they heeded the things Philip spoke because they just didn't hear something, they saw something. So she gets born again, and this is hilarious right here. Uh, and then we pray for her in the middle of the hotel to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And she starts praying low at first, but then all of a sudden she starts screaming in tongues. I mean screaming. Kalabosot, I mean loud. It's hilarious. But, but they all get radically touched. It was, it was just an amazing time. Amen. Luke chapter 13, verse 10. Why am I telling so many testimonies? Testimonies build faith. Luke 10, or Luke 13, verse 10. This is Jesus. It says, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. How do you know if someone has a spirit of infirmity or a spirit of sickness, they constantly have two or, thing, two or three things wrong with them all the time. It's a spirit. It's a very weak spirit because it's a spirit of infirmity, so it's a spirit of weakness. And, a, and guess what? The spirit takes on the characteristics of what it is. So it's one of the weakest spirits, but I don't get in. They're all weak. We're, they're, you know, we're Jesus. The name of Jesus is above every name, so I don't get into like this spirit stronger. This they're all weak. Also, if you go to the doctor and someone can't diagnose why you have pain in your body, they can't diagnose it. It's a spirit. It's spiritual. So it's simple. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Spirit, go right now. Spirit of infirmity, leave right now. You don't have to know its exact name. You can just say, be free in Jesus' name. But the intention of your heart, if there's a spirit, that it's going. It's all about the intention of your heart. Like if you notice when I pray, I'll say life head to toe or be healed head to toe. And then I'll get specific after that. But I say be healed head to toe because in my heart, I'm believing whether it's a spirit, whether it's sickness, whatever it is, I'm covering the whole person. Because if I just get specific, Guess what? My faith just follows what I'm specific about. So I cover the whole person, then I get specific. So spirit of infirmity. Two or three things wrong with them, or the doctors can't diagnose it. It's definitely spiritual. A lot of sickness is spiritual. A lot of, not all of it, but most of it, I would say. So he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and in could no way raise herself up. But when, I love this. Notice, but when Jesus saw her, he saw her. Notice, it doesn't say he was supernaturally led. He saw her with his eyes. See, God wants to use your eyes because your eyes are, are his eyes. So he saw her. He called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. I love this. He didn't even ask her, do you want to be free? He just said, hey, come here. Be loosed of your infirmity. He didn't ask you, do you believe that I can do this this time? 
He didn't ask, oh, do you have faith? No, he just said, come here, be loosed of your infirmity. So Jesus had faith for the woman, correct? Right? He didn't ask the woman. You see, Jesus would point out people's faith throughout the scriptures. He would say, according to your faith, be it unto you. But Jesus wouldn't require everyone he ministered to to have faith. That is another traditions of man. When I minister healing, I want you to have faith, but I don't count on your faith. I've seen people healed who have no faith. I take responsibility for the people who stand in front of me. Don't get me wrong. You need to hear the word. You need to grow. You need to learn to receive yourself. But when you're ministering to people, you are not counting on their faith. You can have faith for them if they have no faith. I know in, the, in general, in the Word of Faith movement, that's a big thing. You know, well, let me, let me get you in faith, and then you come, let me pray for you. Well, no, if I get you in faith, just receive yourself. You need someone when you're not in faith or you don't have faith so they can minister to you. Even when you, the Bible says we lay hands on the sick and they recover, who is that promised to? It's to you. Notice the other person is not even in the equation. It's up to you to receive the promise. Think, go to Luke chapter 9, verse 11. It's a big deal. Because if you think others have to have faith for you to minister healing, it actually steals your faith to even minister to them. Again, do I want you to have faith? Yes, that's why I'm preaching the word to you all weekend, and I'm going to minister to people Saturday and Sunday. I want you to have faith. But I'm not counting on your faith. Think about this. Jesus healed multitudes at the same time, correct? What is the chances that 5,000 people, every single one of them would have faith? What is the chances today that every single person has faith to come and be healed? Zero percent. Right? Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 11. It says this about Jesus. It says, but when the multitudes knew it, they followed him. And he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had faith. No, he healed those who had what? Need of healing. Need of healing. Come on. Think about Peter in Acts 3. We went over yesterday. He says, such as I have, I give unto you. I've heard ministers say, well, he expected to receive something. He wasn't expecting to receive divine healing. He was expecting to receive money. Come on. He said, such as I have, I give unto you. Guess what? If you have something, you have the right to give it away anytime you want, correct? I don't have to ask permission. I can just give it away. Come on, one time I was at the bus station, and this guy had been ministered to by lots of people, and he's like, I don't believe in this stuff. I've had so many people lay hands on me. This was a couple years ago, I remember. I think it was his back and his legs. But if you want to pray, you can pray. You know, just like, if you want to pray, you can pray. This ain't going to work. Okay. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Instantly healed. He had no faith. None. And, and you can't expect unbelievers to have faith, can you? <laughs> Come on. 
I mean, can you expect it? I mean, really, healing is for unbelievers, right? God is teaching us as the body of Christ to walk in who we are, which is divine health, and healing is for unbelievers. And you can expect them to have faith. They're not a believer, they're an unbeliever. But look in Matthew, let me show you another point. Look in Matthew chapter 8. And don't get me wrong, there needs to be discipleship when you get people healed so they know how to walk in their healing. Okay, like people get healed, and then three or four weeks later, they, they have that same pain or that same temptation come back and like, oh my goodness, it's back. They just receive it. No, we need to train people. No, that's not who you are. If the devil tries to bring that back on you, you need to immediately say, Father, I thank you that I was already healed. I resist this in the name of Jesus. Go. But you can have faith for people. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, I want to look at the story of the centurion. There's an imperative truth here. It says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion to him, came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I love how quick Jesus is, I will come and heal him. Come on, that's how we need to be. I will come and heal him. Come on. Come on, we know it's Jesus, but we can say the same thing. I will come and heal him. Why, he told you to heal the sick. Of course, we know he does the manifestation, but he told you to do it. You heal the sick. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I am also a, am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who follow Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Notice, under, having great faith is understanding authority or understanding dominion. Having great faith is understanding dominion or authority. Verse 13 says, Then Jesus said to the centurion, catch this, Go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done to you. And his servant was healed at that same hour. So check this out. The centurion comes to Jesus. And, he, and he's, who had faith and had faith in Jesus? Is that correct? Because here Jesus says, as you have believed, be it done unto you. So the centurion had faith in Jesus for his servant to be healed that wasn't even present. Is that correct? Jesus' faith wasn't in this, right? He says, you have believed, so be it done unto you. So the centurion have faith in Jesus for his servant that's not even present. So his servant's faith wasn't involved either because he's not even in the situation. Is that correct? 
All right, so if the centurion can have faith in Jesus for his servant that's not even present, surely I can have faith in the finished work of Jesus for anyone who stands in front of me anytime and anywhere, whether they have faith or not. Do you see that? Come on. Think about the uh, Seraphonician woman that came to Jesus, right? Begging for her daughter. And Jesus wasn't even sent to the Gentiles in, but because she begged, and she says, Lord, don't, don't we even eat from the crumbs of the table, right? So she had also had faith in Jesus for her daughter that was demon-possessed that wasn't even present. Why, what did he say? Woman, great is your faith. Isn't it interesting the, the people that had great faith wasn't the people of Israel? Both times Jesus said people have great faith, they wasn't the people of Israel. Neither was the centurion, right? He was a Roman. <laughs> Ain't that interesting? What is great faith? Understanding authority and knowing that you can have faith for others. Because think even about the commission of Jesus. Right? The, the scripture I've quoted several times. As you go, you heal the sick. The other person is not even in the equation. We have, people have used that to come up with excuses of why people weren't healed. Because they didn't want to take responsibility for their own life. And that they're growing in faith. It's in tradition of man and it's an excuse. Look, everyone I minister to, I'm growing. I'm, I'm going towards 100%. But I don't see 100% healed yet. And I don't say, oh, well, I need you to come back to me when you have faith. No. I send them away and tell them they're, they're healed, and I still keep my faith and believe for them. See, you can't truly walk in authority until you take responsibility. When you take responsibility, you'll start getting more results. Does that make sense to you? It's good stuff. Come on. Think about Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what? The Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. He healed all. Jesus' hometown, Mark chapter 6. Let's look at it. Mark 6, verse 1. It says, Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, What did this, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? So he was doing some mighty works in his hometown, correct? It just says it right there. Verse 3, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, 
and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? So they were, what? Offended at him. How many of y'all know if I'm in a meeting and I am preaching the word of God and people get offended at me, are they going to come and let me minister healing to them? Or are they going to mock me and go the other way? Correct? Verse 4. It says, But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Verse 5. Let's pay attention. Now he could do no mighty work there. What was some of the mighty works Jesus was doing? He was healing 5,000, 10,000 people at a time. Correct? Even when it says he healed... Fed 5,000, right? That was what? That was just the man. It wasn't even counting the women and the family. So he's probably feeding, what, 10, 15, 20,000 people at a time. So mighty work at the time. He was healing thousands. He was feeding thousands. Now look, says, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. So let me ask you this. What percentage of healing did Jesus have in his hometown? 100%, correct? Because everyone he ministered to was healed. It wasn't his fault that most of the people were offended and it caused them to go the other way. But everyone he ministered to was healed. Come on, again, everyone Jesus ministered to always receive their healing so obviously it is always god's will to heal everyone all the time everywhere you go see it is that simple foundation that you have to believe and when you do you'll start seeing greater results i have no doubt in my mind that god wants everyone well well all the time i don't care what they're doing i don't care if they're living in sin i don't care if they're not living in sin i don't care I can minister healing to them. Why? It is the goodness of God that causes people to repent, that causes people to change their thinking about who God is. Come on, that's my favorite people to find is people who don't believe in God. They don't believe in healing. That's the ones you want to step out and be like, watch this. Verse 6, it says, and he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit, teaching, teaching. So what is the key to overcome unbelief? To teach, right? Not only to teach, but to teach according to the finished works of Christ with the rightly divided word. Did I help some of y'all? I had that in my heart that I know some of y'all were asking that in your mind. Sometimes the Holy Ghost, I believe, will show me people's thoughts. That way he can direct which way he wants to go. Because he wants to answer all your questions. Even if you have questions right now, I bet you if you wait and if you're c- going to come the rest of the services, he'll answer all your questions through me preaching. Why? Because he already knows your questions. Come on. I'm going to look at one more story. 
Then we get to go eat lunch. Amen. It's going to be great. Ribs and brisket? Hallelujah. <laughs> Mark chapter 1. Y'all getting something out of this this morning? Just helping you. See, it's these little traditions that really make the word of none effect. Because I remember I used to hear that even when I first got born again. Well, even Jesus couldn't heal everybody in his own town. That's what I would hear. He couldn't, he couldn't overcome their unbelief. No, even in the midst of unbelief, he still had 100% people healed that came to him. Come on, you can look at it from a total different perspective. People have used that story to, uh, just to back up them not getting results. Well, Jesus didn't get everybody healed, so I'm not. No, glory to God, Peter healed all. Guess what? I'm going to heal all in the name of Jesus. That's my confession. I'm sticking to it. Come on. You're going to heal all. Come on. We're going to see some phenomenal things. I already know people in Africa that are clearing out whole hospitals. It's already happening. Whole hospitals. I follow this one guy. His name's Pastor Chris. He's in Africa. He had 2,000 people healed instantly in his meeting. 100%. And I'm not talking, I'm talking about paralyzed people walking, deaf hearing. I'm talking about phenomenal miracles. And we're going to start seeing that in the United States. Amen? Mark chapter 1, verse 21 says this. It says, Then they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He taught them as one having authority. I love that. Now there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? That's what's going to start happening. When we walk in the stores and, the, and people have demons, demons are going to start looking at us and say, what, what do you want with us, you son and daughter of God? Come on, that's what you carry. Come on, I'll be in stores or on the street and I'll walk by people and they'll start manifesting. Why? Because of what I carry or what I'm aware that I carry. It's the presence of Jesus. We see some pretty crazy things. Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Again, he didn't ask him his name. See, you minister healing and, and deliverance really the same way. I know people want to put it apart like one's really it's not. It's faith, and, and you command it, and you tell it exactly what you want it to do. He says, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Sometimes when you minister deliverance, the same things that happen. You, you'll minister deliverance and they'll fall down and they'll, they'll convulse or, or they'll scream. And that's not a bad thing. That spirit is just, it's right before it goes and right before it's come out, come out of them. It's very real. When you start minister healing, you're, you're going to run into it. You're going to run into demonic manifestations. Because again, a lot of sickness is demonic. 
Again, not all of it. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him, he cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed. So they questioned among them, saying, what is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And they obey him. And guess what? Remember, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given to Jesus. Right? So you're walking in his authority. So guess what? Unclean spirits have to obey you also. Jesus said this in Luke 10, 19. He said, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And the enemy don't have power. That word power there, it means ability. He, he's stripped of all power. He just has ability. It's called deception. And guess what? Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Come on. You have authority. There's no need to be scared if you see something manifest. You just tell it what to do. It says, and immediately his fame spread through all the region around Galilee. Amen. But do you see how Jesus ministered deliverance and he ministered healing the same way? He just said, come out. Again, it all goes back to Mark 11, 22 and 23. You speak to the situation and you speak to the end result. And if you don't see the result that you want immediately, leave your faith out there. Don't pull back your faith. Don't start reasoning. Don't be tossed to and fro in your mind. No, you release the word of God, and the word of God has to work. Kenneth Hagin tells a story. One time he was uh, ministering deliverance, and he ministered deliverance, and he said, come out in Jesus' name. And it didn't leave. And he said, well, I gave it, the, gave it the command, and he left, and the girl was free the next day. So always leave your faith out there. I, I minister a little different. I'm pretty persistent. I always shoot for instant results because that's how I am. I want instantaneous, right? So, I, so a lot of times I'll minister multiple times. But if I don't see instantaneous, leave your faith out there. Think about this. You remember when Jesus prayed for the blind man? And the first time he prayed for him, and he says, well, I see man, there is trees. Then he ministered again. So if Jesus can minister twice, surely we can minister two, three, four, and five, and six times. Right? And sometimes deliverance can't take, it shouldn't. The, again, the standard is Jesus. He cast out spirits with a word. Right? He's the standard. But I have been times of deliverance. It took 45 minutes or an hour. There's multiple spirits or multiple demons, and I just keep commanding them to come out. Now, is that the goal? No. The goal is you cast them out with a word. Amen. I will take, like, does anybody have any questions? Like, three or four minutes, like, questions. Ha, ha, ha.
Amen, amen. Anybody else? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I've done it on FaceTime. Mm -hmm. You don't have to touch somebody. You have authority to speak. So we've, we've even ministered deliverance to whole crowds and crusades at a time and people got set free. So it's according to your faith. You know, if you believe you can, you can. Yes, I believe so. I do. Now, some people don't, but I do. Absolutely. Because well, you have authority, not over the person, but you have authority over the devil and the enemy and the sickness. Now, if they want it back down the road, that's up to them. <laughs> you know? I mean, you can have whatever you want. Right? That's one thing, like, when I get people set free, especially deliverance, I'm like, look, look, uh, Jesus says this in, in John 8, 31 and 11. He says, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. See, a lot of people don't need deliverance. A lot of people think they need deliverance, and they don't. They just need the truth of the word of God and to find out who they are. And they don't know how to control their thought life. But when you do minister deliverance, it is imperative that you disciple people in the truth of who they are, or they'll be back in the same spot. Discipleship is imperative. Yes, sweetie. The Bible says that God has given his angels charge over us to keep us in all of our ways. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. Now, when I come across that on the street, because when you go minister like to the homeless or you go out and minister, people will say that. I can I'll still pray for them, but I won't force it on people. But I still have authority. I mean, people will turn around and walk away, and sometimes I'll just be like, be healed in the name of Jesus. Because I believe God can still move and radically touch people. So, why? Because it's the goodness of God that causes people to repent. Right? The goodness of God. Not telling people they're going to hell or telling people, you know, do you know where you're going to go tonight? No, it's the goodness of God that causes people not to ask for forgiveness, to change their thinking about God. Because repentance is the Greek word metanoia. It means to change your thinking. People need to change their thinking and realize that God is good. And when you really believe God is good, guess what? Why wouldn't you want to serve a God that's madly in love with you and good? Amen. Any other questions? pigs mm -hmm. no they can just leave you don't have to have something to cast them into they asked him to go into the pigs and he permitted them so you just tell them to come out mm -hmm. and even in that story when jesus said what is your name a lot of people want to take that one thing and say see you can talk to demons but notice the demon didn't even answer his name he answered a number i am legion which could be two, I don't know, I think it was like 2,000, right? And, and then just think, think about this. He cast out 2,000 demons with a word. He didn't have to know all their names. He didn't have to talk to them all. He just said, go, right? But there's all this, deliverance is a big uh, fad right now in the body of Christ. 
And really, to me, it's become a show. To me, I don't want to talk to a demon in a person. I want to get that person uh, free as soon as possible. Because if I needed deliverance, I wouldn't want some minister taking me through something, talking to demons through me. Get me free. It's, it's, I don't, I'll get off on that. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Ministering to people? I'll be ministering people tonight and tomorrow morning. Okay. Yes, are y'all coming back tonight? Amen. Good. Good. It's good to keep hearing, keep hearing the word as well. So. Yeah, it's called a word of knowledge. So, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, an, that's another thing that we didn't really have time to get into. But, yeah, when you're on the street, how we were practicing your awareness at the beginning, the more you practice that, you'll be more aware of his voice, right? And, like, when I go on the street, sometimes, you know, I'll get, like, suicidal, depression, pain in their left knee, back pain. And, and when you hear things like that in your mind, a lot of times it's just a thought. And you'll be like, that's just me? No, step out and begin to say, hey, do you have back pain? Don't be scared to miss it. I, you, that's how you learn, right? If you hear back pain, hey, do you have back pain? If they say no, it's okay. But as you step out, you'll begin to learn his voice in a greater way, and you'll begin to even get more words of knowledge. Why? Because you're acting on it. And as, it, as he sees that you're acting on what he gives you, he'll give you more. So, yes. That we actually, I thought about practicing that that this morning, but we don't have time right now. Yes. Do both. Like, just, but when you're speaking, you're speaking from a finished work. Like, this is already done, this is already finished, so I'm speaking to it because it's already done, right? It's not that you're trying to get it to happen, it's already done. Just like the Thanksgiving, it's like, thank you, Father, that, that I'm healed in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, pain, leave me right now. You can do either way, honestly, but don't get like, well, am I doing this right? You can do both. Because the devil always wants to be like, well, you might be doing this little part, right? He tries to, like, accuse you of every little thing that you might be getting wrong, just have faith in the love of Jesus, right? And, and just base it on the finished work and Jesus' love for that person. Anyone else?
It's an excuse the devil used. I hear, I hear many people say that. Well, I mean, leaving them sick would be injuring. So, so it just depends how you look at it. So just keep stepping out and practicing and trust God when you, when you do it. Don't be, don't, that's fear, really. Put, put your faith in God. Yeah. Our job is just to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Anyone else? Oh, that's awesome. That's so awesome. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm telling you, the more you, you start to step out, you'll see phenomenal things. Come on. That's so awesome. Remember Mark 16, 14 last night when Jesus unbraided his disciples for their unbelief? And then he sends them into all the world to preach the gospel and heal the sick. See, we always think like, well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. No, you're ready. Come on, I was telling pastor, uh, I was discipling uh, one of the people I disciple. His name is Matthew. The first time he came to my house for discipleship, I walked out the door. I said, get in my car. I took him to the grocery store, and we healed the sick and cast out demons and preached the gospel. Because that does something to people. Like, wow, this is real. Amen. All right. Well, hey, we uh, we have food. Lots of it. Lots of it. So please plan to stick around and eat. Give me a few minutes to get everything set up, but it's pretty much ready to go. So I'm going to pray, and we'll dismiss. And as I said, if you guys want to sow into Corey's ministry, there's a box in the back, so please help yourself. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for this ministry and what's going on, Lord. I thank you that we are just being stretched and we're growing and we're sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit as we continue to just believe your word and act upon it. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for this food. We just ask that you bless it to our bodies and strengthen and nourish us to do your work. In Jesus' name, amen.